that the world already has. Yeah. But now we have a scene that's like not funny, it's disgusting, but it's I think it's meant to be funny. She's just sort of puking out the goo. It looks like butterscotch. Kind of slime. Listen, according to this box, this video box. Yeah. Oh no! What the box drops? It's a horror movie. Box drop. This is what the Nick. Yeah, with the slime. Yeah. Yeah. No, but she won't use it. What we're having now is us learning that, like, he's a protector and she wants to be with him and she doesn't want to use the gun. She wants him to use the gun. Yeah. Well, let me close the studio window. All right. They hear each other through the, uh, I guess, the air duct. Which kind of doesn't make sense because on an elevator, you don't have that. You have a shaft, and it is not part of the air duct system at all. You want it isolated. It's not clean. Um, the ducts are supposed to be about circulating uh, HVAC, circulating uh, uh, air conditioning, heating. So, um, so it doesn't make sense in the real world, but zombies don't either. So, okay. Forgive it. So this director, he had a heart attack in 2002, and it affected him. And he made a uh, he made an illustrated book. It's for all ages, but it's it's got like a cartoon kid in it. And the the, the proceeds go straight to the American Heart Association. Um, it's called Good Things to Share, and. Um, it's a book he wrote. It's, it's inspirational. It's a picture book. Uh, I don't know anything else about it, so I don't recommend it or not. But uh, what's it called? It's called "Good Things to Share." Because he had a heart open heart surgery, huh. it like profoundly affected him, and he did this like charitable thing. He made the book. The money goes to the American. Well, actually, it says a portion. Uh, uh, yeah, so I don't yeah. know. But it feels like it's enough. Oh, I'm sure it's I, I just walked into the wrong place. Yeah, I know. I think our safe word was up last time. Uh-huh. That's right. I think our safe word is uh, our Star Trek connection. Yeah. Yeah, Star Trek connection He's our Dave uh, Jeremy Piven is our Star Trek connection because he did some sculptures for Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, the the whales, the San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, no, he uh, actually uh, built the original stadium. That was probably his easiest thing. I want you to sculpt me every except for the invisible one. I did I stutter? I want you to sculpt me every. <laughs> Uh, yes, sir. Coming right yes, up. Sir. Yeah. How's it going? Uh, it's going great, sir. I finished the first project. And which project is that? Uh, the Invisible Starship. <laughs> Let me see your work. Uh, it's in the parking see, lot. It's it's it's. They see the stand. Like 
in the conference room for his presentation. They're all lined up on their stands, and there's one blank empty stand. <laughs> well, you know, the Zoom, he's like, okay, let me uh, get the PowerPoint. And that's been my uh, Eddie Gunn. He's done like nothing. Now we have the long drawn out backstory about trying to kill herself, and it seems to not be related to zombies. So why is it in this movie? And we don't see a romance start between them. We see Jeremy Piven begin to have empathy. Maybe that's all you need. I guess yes. I don't know why. They say you got to defend this guy. <laughs> I don't oh, give it a break. This is the classic Key Largo moment where all the survivors are just people. They're uh -huh. different, different Sorry. people. This is well done. Looks good. You, not, not it's been done before. It's well done. You, you watched the movie. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not listening to this movie. I'm just going to sit down and watch this. I'm just going to have creepy. my now, Obviously, it's I mean, it's good. Okay. Turn it on. Uh, no, turn it on. Listen oh. to it. See if you can stand it. Turn okay. it on. It's on, Carl. Okay. okay. Snippy. Okay. Talking right now. Oh, joke fuck. Sucks no, for one's, me. no one's still joking. Yeah. I guess it's over. Movie just made a jerk out of me. I, I honestly, like, uh, Cassettes, he says, not files. Ew, stop it, Phyllis Diller. Ugh. Oh, baby. He looks like the Gerber baby. <laughs> when it's ralphing. Maybe that's why she didn't want to stay young. <laughs> no, the director specifically requested no wig. Well, that's good. She's gone a long way since the Scooby Doo mystery. Like, you say it's good, okay, but imagine you're a director, you got an 850000 budget, it's uh, probably your first, yeah, I think it's your first feature, yeah, it's 91, this is your first, your big shot to make it's a great, movie. It's great, it's great trivia. The movie where Phyllis Williams, Killer. Is this movie on America's radar? Did it work? That talking point? You see, it this is, like, I mean, this is a cult film. I'm sure there's lovers of it. I mean, it did reach the Disney franchise. Okay. This guy, it's a good movie. This is a good film. No, I can't, I can't say that. I haven't sat through this movie, obviously. I don't think it's good. Follow my voice. Follow my voice. You see the, their, um, they're to... getting to know each other got interrupted by undead. They're 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 asking the undead to come follow their voice. No, they're asking Jeremy Piven and oh. uh, and uh, Dana. Don't give okay. up. Follow my voice. Come and get us. Fuck that. I'm not going in there. Look at hey. how the got this. Oh, it's great. No, it's terrible. You're what? absolutely right, Michael. <laughs> Okay, we got hit. Uh, there's the Piv. The Piv and his submachine gun. Oh, oh no! 
we'll let the puppeteer by the director to surprise us with the freaking puppet. Right, cause is in the chat. Now look, the director in his wisdom knows that the undead will totally run away. Um, when you spray a, a fire, fire extinguisher, yeah. Well, it was just to push back the the. the it worked. Demon. See how good it was. The director needed to push back, and he got it. Yeah, well, no, he will check out very early. So will Phyllis Diller. Why are they in the film? How does it lend to, wouldn't you make Mr. Roper the cop? No, I think what he's doing is great. I would, again, like I would pay money and good publicity. Well, that'd be great. Cut loose. Let him cut loose. He's playing a mortician. I mean, this okay. is the producers of the film first sought rocker Alice Cooper as an actor for key roles. That would have been cool. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, he's a little drunk. Cooper is on the nose, but consider what we're watching. It would have... Yeah, it would have been at least nice. Nice relief. Yeah. What did we see him in? We saw him in uh, We're Not Worthy, Wayne's World, maybe right. two. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. He had a famous uh, manager. So uh -huh. uh, Mike Myers got introduced. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Weird. You know. Okay, now this actor, his name is uh, Willie Stratford. And I don't know, he was known for Black Rainbow 89, The Runaway 2000, and The White Girl 1990. I don't know. Yeah. So he, he did a, like, boo! He doesn't know what's going on. There's the mortician who killed himself. He just now killed himself. Why is he? The internet says he opened his eyes when the bag unzipped, but I have seen this movie like four or five times. That's how we know it sucks, Mike. And uh, I did not see that happen. Here's Phyllis Diller. No, wait a minute. She had the slime in her mouth. It got in her stomach, and now she is undeadified. The puppet? Yep. Ow! Oh. What an effective ketchup stain. Is he the first guy to die in this movie? Uh, yeah. I don't Grant know. Vigner. I think yes. All right. You, you got me. That is a trope. Growing bigger. Yeah. Wait till you see. ego. Alter ego. The worst Scooby Doo. Yeah, Scooby Doo had uh, contemporary celebrities like John Mayer, Logan Paul. I don't remember. Yeah, in the it, wait, was it still a cartoon? Yeah, 
Yeah, it was still a cartoon. Yeah, it was like I remember that. It was a different series, so they would have Phyllis Diller. And I actually think that it's good because of the relationship they can kind of see Phyllis Diller and learn about who she is. Right. Like when they the, had uh, Smokey and the Bandit guy, the not cool one, the truck truck driver. Jerry Reed. Yeah. No. Yeah. He does Jerry a country Reed. song. He's a country singer, right? Right. He's kind of done. Yeah. Well, that's what they said. They were like. Country singer and movie star Jerry Reed. How y'all doing? I remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, she got zapped and in the chest too. That's where. That's gonna help. That's well, where the puppeteer is. That's where the heart is, I guess. And so they and so Dana zapped her, and Phyllis wow. is dead and out of our movie for the rest of it. Is Yelman Phyllis Diller? I wouldn't have done that, man. I would have had her all the way to the end. That's our headliner. If you'd like to see more of Phyllis Stiller, she'll be uh, at the merch table over by the coat <laughs> room. Doing selfies and selling a t-shirt. $30. Quite a bargain. Quite a bargain. Available for cameos. Hello. Zombie Phyllis Stiller here. <laughs> she'll be selling fang t-shirts. Fang t-shirts. Bang here? Uh-uh, honey. Uh-huh. Now the disgusting oh. dog licks up to the disgusting, like, undead doer. Ah. So they've been zombie children before, I mean. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. You, Michael, who think this movie's so great, you got to hear the dialogue in the script. I wish I could hear the dialogue. If I could hear the dialogue, I'd lose my hearing. Now she's going to reveal why she didn't want to come forward and help. She's very apologetic. Let's listen. Well, I'm the one who should apologize. Go ahead. Just let me hear what they're saying, Mike. Having a maximum. Okay, you just relay it to the audience then. What have I done? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because they must make sense anymore. Because nothing makes sense. From people want something from her. No, or people wanted to burn me at the nearest stake. Like, you, you can't be tortured out. by this dialogue if you're... Carl, listen, I'm transcribing. Sigh, dramatic sigh. Vega. Big. Vega. 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 No, wrong again. Correct. Wrong, wait, wrong. Jersey. It's Jersey. Oh, Jersey, right. Oh, my God. He, he can't take his seven up. Eight. But then all of a sudden, Jersey will be fine, inexplicably. Yeah, no, I think. Well, tell that to this director because he changed his mind. Forklift. Forklift. And it's like that, that <laughs> is not a compelling speech, right? Right. We weren't connected so, with it. Well, the forklift is 
right. That's what we should be focusing on. And if it was my movie, Phyllis Dillon would be riding the forklift. Woohoo! Come on! You made an excellent point, Carl. If this was my movie, I'd be Oh, absolutely. And Norman uh, Fell would be like the detective who gets all the cool lines, you know, and you runs mean... around with his gun. Who's he? Uh, it's just he's a dud. Okay, you were on Peyton Place and you, when you were young and handsome with black hair. Okay, what else did you do? You were Roger Corman's boy. You're in Police Academy, Airport, and for the love of Benji. So right? you're saying that the problem with Jersey is there's nothing to do. Nothing to do in Jersey. You look, yeah, there's nothing to do in Jersey. You look at his face and you don't say, hey, that guy, I know that guy. They forklifted his face. They're not going to kill this guy. Yeah, they're going to kill him because they got his chest. Lift oh, him. Lift him. I called the lift. I didn't call the lift. Yeah. Are you my Uber? Because I called the lift. That wasn't a funny pun. That fat bitch. That's in my pun. That bitch. Good night. Whatever, he's he's gonna. Oh, you're back on posting with his his uh. Whatever the guy's name, do you want to plug him? I haven't seen him. His name is Steve Posted. He was on our celebrity comedian countdown. He's uh he's a very funny person. I am not a fan of his catchphrase. Right. All right, Steve, take it from take it with your friend of the pod. Take it from us. Drop that. You're better than that. The audience is better. I tell you, Mike, he won't do it because every time he says that, he does get a big laugh. Now, he's making a mistake. He doesn't understand. People are being polite. He just doesn't get it, and I'm not telling him. Okay, this is the poodle. The poodle has grown. I know. It's like on two legs. Right, and it's not in the same room as the guys. You know what I mean? Like, I don't believe that they were really looking at that, uh, that poodle. They said, roll them. Now where are we? <laughs> you want to reprocess that thought, Mike? Oh, a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> you go first. Why? Because you're a woman and, you know, you're not going to want to look at my car. Yeah, okay. right. I'm okay. not worried. Now is not the time. Oh, no, your stupid rabbit foot. Right. The guy who doesn't believe in zombies believes in his luck of his rabbit's foot. Does he believe in psychics? Tell her before you know. I think at this point he can't not believe. Oh, well, what? Oh, I thought it was an eclipse. Now, look, she can't get up right. because of her weight. So that's the first time. That plays into this movie, except for two insults that Phyllis Diller does. Right. But this is also like a Poseidon adventure. Chloe Winters had to swim. Yeah, she gained weight for the film. We covered this, I think, last Yeah, that's right. Because it required her to be a fat woman, and she needed to work, and she never lost the weight. That could just be. 
Also, this is some kind of workplace. You gotta consider that. Oh, you mean that might be her, like, like I'm embarrassed, so I'm making up a like a story about it. The publicity. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, you need publicity I, before a film comes out, not. I, I I do believe that she probably did get is life yeah uh-oh whoa you haven't heard you, a slip you dummy poodle you'll get smushed you dummy poodle stupid dumb dumb poodle listen hey there you go ashley she's what well, she's putting a leash What is she, Wiley e. Coyote? Uh, oh no, flaming zombie gas. poodle. There's natural gas down there. This is where the commies are. Yeah. Flaming he's, zombie he's like poodle. Yeah. Oh no! Wah, wah, wah. We do. Radar mysteries. We'll be back. Wah, wah, wah. Scooby Doo. Radar mysteries. Come on, Phyllis Diller, you're taking too long. Bum, bum, bum. Da, 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 don't, da. don't boss me around, dog, or you'll find yourself on a leash. Phyllis Diller? You better not mess with Phyllis Diller. Or I'll make lamb chops out of you, Scooby. Excuse me, is this the way to the Renaissance Fair? Thomas Jane. Yes, hello. Yeah, hi, I am Thomas Jane, star of the Punisher. Thanks for asking. Okay, so Ashley fell on her ass. Now the dog blew up from the natural gas, but That's she the good fell news. all the way down Dunthorn Boom. That is the bad news. But she's like, go help Jersey, because I'm secretly like, you know. I don't Jersey's know. Jersey's alive? Oh, yeah. He's trapped under. He's, he's alive? No. He, it's not explained. There's a full recovery, and we don't see it on screen, and it's unexplained. Now, he thinks she's safe, and she's just got to wait, but here comes Zombie Poodle. I thought you were dead. Oh, oh this is a surprise. Like in the Terminator, when Now she just smushed her way through the roof, back down into the catechism, just to get away. Now, if Jersey could fall down the staircase in the beginning, he went all the way down that big tall ladder, and she's like, "Oh, that really smarts." And then she forced her way. She just found the pipe bombs in the evidence room. That's not the right word. The when everyone dies, their possessions are stored there that were on them, including pipe bombs. Oh, they're almost getting out, Carl. This is the end of the mirror. That's it. Once you walk through the door, the credits roll. That's right. It's really true. You're right, Mike. So can you play a video game on how you get back? Right. And proceed. Okay, she's putting the pipe down the pipe bomb to blow the door so she can get out of there. She'll light it 
But who should show up? Poodle. Poodle. Just to, you know, the thing's fusing to blow up. It's so frustrating. I mean, you find a pipe bomb in the air. Suddenly it's What's that mean? Ah, uh, It's the inventory, and it's so frustrating. Why is the? It's not crazy anymore. Film. It's a great film. It's a comedy too. It Just is a comedy. Like I intended. <laughs> you are laughing. Just like I intended. It was a comedy all along. <laughs> oh, no, Fetch. Oh. Bam. So they escaped the living dead mortuary because a poodle threw the stake in the explosive for a bone? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a comedy. How'd you put it that way? <laughs> <laughs> They're back outside. Oh, that means only one thing. Long natural nightmare is almost over. Oh, they did they really walk to the exit? Now, the what smoke? did they resolve exactly? Right? Nothing. There was Nothing some sort of curse on the family and they made undead. And I guess they killed all of the undead. So that's it. They're done. I guess. No, no I more can't. running. No more running. No more. No more psychic king. You don't have to psychic anymore. I think this oh, was they the Oscar drop. Oh, look, they showed up. They were outside already. No, they were just yeah, outside. they were outside already. And we were with our hero for her final trial and tribulation. Now final escape from the depths of hell. There's hugs all around, and we were supposed to see a wedding. There's no connection to the hugs. You're right, that corpse body. Well, I kind of like that. But... <laughs> hey. Lucky rabbit's foot, am I right? Oh, come on, put that away. It's like, I guess it was lucky I had my keys today. Otherwise, we wouldn't have that luck. I wouldn't be able to drive here. I wouldn't have my keys. And so most shows like end with a happy ending. Yeah, but this ends with relief. They're hugging relief. Yay, wow. what a piece of crap. Carl, what do you think of this piece of I think that you just contradicted anything I said, and you had no idea if it was good or bad. You should trust, trust the man who watched it three times. If that's all you have to say, this was a piece of crap. Oh, and uh, who comes with Poison? Mm -hmm. Poison. So let's watch some puppetry. Uh, uh, good question. Just second, second. <laughs> oh, Brian, where's my coffee? Listen, I'm tired of shooting the exteriors. Oh, Brian, take over. Yes, sir. It says location casting, so they got their big guns. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they had the location. There we go. Good film effects. Yeah, Gosh. backwoods. Oh, I guess, I guess so. Of course, James helped with the, you know, the director helped with yeah, the Yeah, the director makeup. helped with the makeup. Yeah, maybe. He's yeah. great at that. Yeah, the makeup was storyline acting. <laughs> and wardrobe. This thing will flare up. Oh, the wow. boom operator. He did those pipe bombs. Oh, really? 
Yeah, because it was boom. It was the boom operator. Come he on, operated. Boom. Operator. operator, coast to coast, L.A. to Chicago. Operator, no need to ask. Do we have sound on this film? No need to ask. I got the boom operator. Oh, really? Can you bring him in, please? Boom <laughs> operator. I uh, I want to see the puppets. I think we're done. We're wrapping up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Boneyard. Yeah. Some interesting characters, but oh, uh, some way, interesting there's casting. There's a song called Braveheart playing. Why don't you listen? It's horrible. You should listen. Yes, yes. There we go. Someone who knows. Statesville Chamber of Commerce. Bill Davis. Huh? Yeah, the old. Well, I mean, that could be the name of it. Uh, that's probably where they did all the, we're in the morgue shots. But it must be, of course. Oh, my God. Hey, well, I mean, if you like grotesque so comedy. If you're into horror and, you know, like it. Thanks, George Martin of Beatles fame. Well, right, yeah, the fifth Beatles. Why wasn't he doing the sound mixing? That seems like a much better bit. We're almost there. We get the down, the brave heart going. I think that should be on the song during the wedding. They, they shot should, it. You know what they should do is that after the end credits, they should have a scene at the wedding. Here's a Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been 1991's The Boneyard. Give it up for Carl for watching this movie this time. For watching it again. Yeah, this was four. I kind of didn't count it this time because, I don't know, just muted and you were just muting me the whole time. Oh, I was saying how great and, you know, give the guy a break, Carl. Don't like you uh, just watch this movie too much. So we're seeing exposition now about why she doesn't want to help as a psychic anymore. And it's really drag assy and long. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess she's just letting the actors do what they do, right? It's, isn't it developing yeah, it's character? Setting, yes, yeah, it's Michael. The movie you haven't seen. Yes, Michael. All right. Well, uh, I hate this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new movie. It'll be uh, next week as we hear every week. We want you to uh, enjoy, the, enjoy the experience. We're going to be live. We're going to be watching the movie live. Back next uh, Sunday. Take your time like I do listen to the podcast. I'm the only listener. Go ahead and download. Go to our podcast at LA. And just... Uh, Uh, love each other do love each other keep it cool and something's wrong with carlsucks.com go to carl.sucks carl.sucks much better no one's fucking with that domain bingo yeah all right sounds great well uh we will talk to you soon
Watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to Good do to... this again. Ready yes. to go. Another Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. as we broadcast first on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco. Go ahead. Donate to their Patreon. Go ahead. Donate to their Venmo account. Donate at Venmo is, is at Mutiny Radio. Uh, you can go to mutinyradio.fm and you can click and find the Patreon link there. Uh, we are here every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. East Coast Time. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, and we are also podcast with the acronym LWAFLMOIT, as we mentioned up front. And we're also on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube and just get it. Carte blank. Carte blank? Blanche. Carte blanche. Separately, but with the with the video set up. Yeah, you don't have to sync up the yeah. our audio to your real YouTube. We did it for you. Check yeah. out LWAFLMOIT on YouTube. Because LWAFLMOIT is Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. So you're going to listen to our podcast and watch a movie in real time for its entirety right now. Uh, but unless you're watching on the pod, if you're watching on YouTube, Carl's already synced the movie up. Easy peasy. I handled uh, it. Yeah, we listen. If you're listening to the podcast and not watching the movie, you're not watching the movie properly. You're That's not right. getting the full not experience. Nope. Absolutely. We are parasites, and we must harvest off the carcass of uh, actual <laughs> entertainment to, <laughs> to 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 call attention to ourselves for two hours. <laughs> so we're going to watch a full length movie on YouTube. We want you to go to YouTube, find the movie, and watch it with us. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week, we are watching The Fantastic Four, 1994. 
The Fantastic uh, Four, 1994. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. The channel we like is Actors Filming. Actors Filming. Yeah, it's not cameramen, cameramen acting. It's Actors Filming is the channel we like. You can tell it's a good movie right now because no director actually filmed this movie. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and type in Fantastic Four or look for the uh, version hosted by acting actors Actors filming. Filming. Yeah. Not acting filmers. Actors filming. I was going to say, this is the second time our show has done it. It's the first time with Carl, and uh, first time since there's more information available about this film. So we're really excited to watch it again. It was on YouTube. You know, I, you start off a show called Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube, you go straight to the heavy hitters. You go to the 1994 Fantastic Four. <laughs> I don't know. You look for the Chuck Perry video. You look for everything you could possibly look for. And uh, it was on YouTube, and then it got yonked, and now it's back on. It's been on for a while. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so it's great. We're going to revisit this episode. And I should say, with every bad movie, Joy is experiencing it and talking about it. So if other people have talked about this, what can we say? It's a great bad movie. It's on YouTube. That's the premise of our show. We like, you know, I read about this <laughs> infamously, and uh, now I got to see it. So we're going to go ahead and see it. So go to Fantastic Four 1994, find the version from hosted by actors filming, hit pause, move the meter to zero, 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 and at the count of three, when you hear go, press go. Now, you're going to hear go from our special Comedian, celebrity, comedian, countdown person who may not even be a comedian and may not even be hosted by Carl. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Chris Gore. Chris Gore. Welcome, Chris. You guys are very enthusiastic. I I haven't had my morning coffee. I just brewed a second pot. Today we're watching Fantastic Four, 1994. Roger Corman mega blockbuster, right? And the reason we've got you on is in the service of Film Threat uh, magazine, you were on set for the entire filming, right? All 21, 25 days, was it? Uh, for most of the shooting, yes. It was around the holidays. The end of the year. I was there, yeah. Now, that's unusual, was, was really. Is that because it was going to be a cover story you spent so much time? Uh, well, it ended up being a cover story. I was on the set for filming, and, and yeah, um, the reason that they needed to start shooting before the, before the end of the year was because contractually, if they hadn't started shooting a movie before the end of the year, they would, you know, they would have lost the rights to the movie, this German company. Yeah, so they were, it was so quick to... This, yeah, this German company hired Roger Corman to just make a Fantastic Four movie that they had no intention of ever releasing. Unbeknownst to everyone working on the movie, yeah, uh, they thought they were making the Fantastic Four movie, and they were super excited. I was excited because the Fantastic Four is, I mean, it's my <laughs> gateway comic book. It's, between that and Batman, it's the, you know, two comic, you know, franchises that I love the most. So, when I heard they were going to film, I, I said, I want to be there. Because I had just done a story on a movie called Carnosaur, which was Roger Corman's ripoff of Jurassic Park. So um, so that would just sort of led me to being on 
set the almost the entire time, the entire shoot. Which now, I don't. We I, did a uh, carnosaur on this podcast also, and we it was horrible, horrible film, terrible. Carnosaur. That's what I'm in it. I'm in it. It's horrible. Are you really? Yeah. Are you? Where, yeah, I'm where in are it. you? I am in the scene where these two characters are loading cages of, right. I think, chickens onto a truck. Yes, we're and just I, beginning. And I, my line is, I changed it. I said, can you give me a hand with, the line was, can you give me a hand with this? And I said, can you give me a hand with this load? Just because I wanted right. to say the word load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it I did worked. it for every take, and it's in the movie. Okay, I'm so, going to have to watch it again. Yes, absolutely. You. So the the uh, filming of uh, uh, Fantastic Four took place in some of the same settings that uh, Carnosaur took place, and I understand that this building was condemned with rats in it and a cat that would chase the rats. Do you have any story about the condemned building? Your experience uh, there? I don't. I never saw any rats, but it was pretty ugly, and I did notice because I was on the set for Carnosaur. We did a story about that. Then I was, you know, it's like, oh, they're just. Re- Cycling the same sets for the Fantastic Four, which was weird. It's like, and they barely repainted it. It's like, I will throw some stuff up there on the wall and this and whatever. You know, he didn't seem to care. What I do remember is, is that, um, if I recall correctly, like Roger Corman's famously cheap. Uh-huh. He's famously cheap, and I, I, I interviewed him once, and I got him to pose with a penny. So <laughs> he's holding a penny up to his eye. And we had a photographer take a picture of him holding a penny. To kind of show how cheap he was, and I do recall that when I was working, I was hanging out on the set and whatnot, that someone was let go for buying name brand soda. Like you can't buy like Coke or Pepsi. You had to buy like whatever the low brand, like local grocery store brand of Coca Cola was. Like whatever you know, generic brand snack. Like, don't get fancy snacks. So I, I thought that was really funny. That's like, that's, that's how, how much he was pinching pennies. Now, we saw the uh, documentary Dune to prepare our research for the film. And in it, you talk uh-huh. about how, like, at first you were very giddy to be on the film. I mean, you were a fan, you know. But as time yeah. moved on, you started to realize this was going to be a B-movie. Yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of this sad realization, especially when I saw the costumes. Right? It's like, here they're in their Fantastic Four costumes, and it's literally felt fours glued onto these spandex, literally just spandex, where you know they're shooting with certain angles to not show how haphazardly those costumes were assembled. The other thing was, <clears throat> we did a, a cover photo shoot for Film Threat <clears throat> with all of the four characters, right? The main four. And what I loved was their enthusiasm. Actors, Alex Hyde-White, who actually ended up being in the third Indiana Jones movie, who's an established actor, who now does voice acting. Alex does voice acting for, uh, does he does a lot of voiceover for audiobooks. Great guy, great guy. And Alex Hyde-White, he was just so earnest about this part. He cared uh-huh. so much about it. And looking back on the movie, it's probably the most accurate incarnation, at least to Stanley and Jack Kirby, what they had intended to do with the Fantastic Four. Just in tone felt like, oh, this is like the first hundred issues that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did of the Fantastic Four, right? So, Agreed. So, so that was 
great aspect and the, the earnestness of everyone involved with the exception of, I think, Roger Corman, who was just concerned <laughs> with like, let's just get this done and do it cheap. The thing that was really sad was we did a photo shoot. We had like all four characters. Put them against the set and I hired this photographer shooting. And um, this is a story that I told that didn't make it into the documentary, but this is like a bonus feature here. But right. the actress, I believe her name is Rebecca Staub, who played Sue Storm, Invisible Girl, and this, let's just say that these spandex outfits left nothing to the imagination. <laughs> and there was serious camel toe that had to be touched up to put, you know, to be able to put this photo on the cover of Film Threat. I don't think she was wearing underwear. Okay, so, so in post-production, you had to... We had to touch up those photos so as not to be uh, graphic. And, and um, you know, I remember, like, we're, we're shooting this, and I'm looking, I'm going, like, you know, is it, it could be a problem. We're going to have to put text over that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to have to cover it up in some way. So... Uh. Yeah. Now, uh, in the plot, Sue makes the outfits. Do you think that excuses their cheapness? Right, they're homemade. Well, yeah. It's it's it is an excuse to excuse to you know make make them you know, and that's actually right out of the comic book, by the way, mm -hmm. which I which I thought was great. But yeah, I guess you can excuse the cheapness, and yeah, she should not have been a seamstress. Yeah, Sue right. Storm <laughs> should be you know she should be you know a girlfriend who you know will just go away go away when she turns invisible and just disappear. <laughs> that was Kirby's attention, I'm sure. Perfect. I guess, I guess. I don't know. But I, I, you know, like, look, I was a super fan. I'm like, the fact that, you know, I was living in a time where there was even a Fantastic Four film being made. I mean, look, yeah. you have to think, this was, this was the 90s, right? Like, the we're now living at a time, we're now living in a time where we have the luxury of complaining about the latest Disney Plus series when who knew that there'd ever be a Hawkeye show or a Boba Fett show, right? Like, it's like now there's like so much stuff that it's like, oh wow, there's a lot of crappy DC. Back then it was few and far between. It'd be like a couple movies a year, maybe a TV show. So I was ecstatic, like, oh my God. And um Yeah, so so it was it was for me like it was like summer camp, you know, because my responsibility was, you know, hey, I'm not making the movie, right? I don't right. Work, You're and I was just there as an observer to do a story about it. And they compliment you in the Doom documentary, too. Now, I was a big fan of the comic book, uh, yeah, especially, yeah, at the 60s one. And and don't you think things should have been a little bigger, right? Broader shoulders, thighs, huge. What, what was the thing costume like in real life? Like, did it look cool? It looked um, decent. Well, it was weird because the actor who played Ben Grimm was taller than the actor who was in the thing costume. Yeah, yeah. But the thing costume in real life actually looked pretty good, like... Like the um, Optic Nerve Studios was the studio that that did you know the practical effects on on the film, and they really put their heart and soul in it. I mean, soul into it. I mean, for them, I'm sure they didn't make any money. I mean, like I know they were paid, but at the end, I guarantee they didn't really make weren't weren't paid what, what you know the time that was put into it. And I think that they looked at on it as like, well, this is going to be this is for us going to be stones. like a portfolio piece, right? Like, and they really, really just put a lot of effort in that costume. They tried to make it accurate to the Kirby comics. And I, I would say that it's more accurate than the, you know, other Fantastic Four film that came out later. And then 
the one that came out, you know, more recently, um, directed by Josh Trank. I mean, like, those are just sort of weird interpretations. Theirs is the most accurate to the comic book. With the, so the brow. Comic book is, yeah, the, the brow and everything. Like, they got that right. It, it, it moved, you know, in certain places. And so, you know, it's a lot of it is how you photograph it. But I actually thought that was one of the things that worked out really well with it, was that costume, the way that that character was portrayed. Now, that guy was Carl Cafalio, and he was a huge stuntman. He went on to so much work and did so much work before it. But he reports that the suit was the hottest thing he's ever worn. Did you see him struggle with it? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. He he had problems with it, right? Like, it was, you know, I mean, you sign up to be a a monster in a costume. That's what you're going to be, You should know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, you're the thing. Now, they report there was no rehearsal. They just started rolling. There was more like about blocking. Did you see, what, did you have an impression like, oh, this is a little rinky-dink here? I mean, I think when you look at it on screen, I think it came out okay. I think some of the acting was strong. Yeah, like if it was if it was a movie that was made for television, I think that it would like, oh, this is pretty decent. You know, they, they tried to remain faithful to the comic and faithful to the characters as they were you know, portrayed in the comic book. I'm fearful that this, they keep talking about a new Fantastic Four movie. I think, I think based on sort of the direction that Marvel's going, I think it'll be pretty awful. Uh, I really don't have a lot of faith in it, but this is, this was, but if this were a movie to be released in theaters, I think it would be kind of lackluster. I mean, you know, Johnny Storm doesn't really even turn into fully the human torch until the very end of the movie. Right. One sort of last shot that was very early digital before digital effects were really a thing, right? I like, think it looked okay. It was fine for the time. There just wasn't enough of it. And and I think they knew that. You could tell from the script that it was kind of anemic. Like, they were writing around having to do special effects, right? So um, that was sort of a – that was a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also, um, I heard that Stan Lee was on the set. Did you meet him? What was his yes. attitude like? Was he – Yes, I, he, I mean, Stan is, I mean, you know, if there's something going on, Stan Lee's going to be there and be a part of it. So, yeah, he was on the set, but he was more just a glad hand. And yeah. I think that gave people confidence, too. Yeah, because, like it was you know, an endorsement. Yeah, it was definitely an endorsement. And I'm sure that Stan knew about the rights situation, that it was really about this German company holding on to the rights. Uh, you know, so, so what can you say? But but, you know, that was, this is pre, like, Marvel being Marvel, right? Yeah. Stan Lee just, like, trying to get something going. I think Blade was really the first breakout of a Marvel character that was put on screen that was successful. I mean, there were, there were you know, there were television attempts that were yeah. pretty decent. There like was the Captain Hulk show. America on a bike, right? On a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah right. all the Hulk. Captain America movie, don't remind me. But then there was also, like, the television series. There was... Um, Spider-Man. You know, there was the Bill Bixby Hulk show yeah. with Lou yeah. That was fun. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't the Hulk that we have now from Marvel. Right. But it was, hey, it was it was a tragic, fun sort of, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story, right? And then there was the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show right. in the 70s, which Nicholas Hammond, by the way, has a cameo at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, oh, he's hey. in it. Everyone talks about, oh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Hey, I noticed Nicholas Hammond was <laughs> in it. 
So Nicholas Hammond is in the in at the very end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, uh, either in they're in the diner, and you know Peter Parker goes to visit MJ and observes MJ talking to a patron at the donut shop, and that's Nicholas Hammond. Gotcha. No Nic- kidding. Nicholas Hammond also played the director who directed uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, so. Quentin Tarantino put him in there and he plays the director who directs the Western and he's kind of trying to coach, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Kind of name. So uh, there was a uh, two-part Spider-Man, you know, on the television show that they stuck together and and released in Europe as a a feature. Uh, And we saw that on this show. That was a lot of fun, you know. Wow. Yeah. It was good. Now, I believe that Roger Corman had every intention to release this film. And it wasn't until he got the phone call from Avi Arad, the Marvel guy. That was the first second that he said, okay, we're not releasing this, right? Do do you agree? Yeah, I think that, I don't know that their intention was ever to release it. I think their intention was to shoot it. And and that was it. I mean, obviously I got a bootleg copy of it years later, but I also did a thing where we, we took the cast of the Fantastic Four, like all four of them, did a signing at the Film Threat booth in at San Diego Comic Con, and it flooded the aisles. I think we sold like two thousand issues of that comic. A lot of people had already haven't had an issue of it, and they signed every single one. And uh, the cast was great. I think a year later, that Comic Con did a rule like we have to have an can't have people clogging up the you aisles. You guys did that. Yeah, well, yeah. That's one. Anyway, so that was that was like a delight to like have them all there. And what was weird was just how enthusiastic those, those main actors were. You know, now, I saw that in that documentary that yeah. the enthusiasm of the crew, like they did everything. They promoted the hell out of that movie at every convention. They were the voice of that movie. And, you know, a fan of like dime. Yeah, on their own dime. And like a fan like myself would get excited because there really is such a thing and there's such enthusiasm to it. I mean, I was excited, you know, like I like I never thought in my wildest dreams that there'd be a fantastic four movie made. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, that's crazy. I so, remember reading the comics, uh, you know, at 11 years old, 10 years old, thinking they should make these into movies. You know, why aren't they doing that? You know, well, they had the cartoon well, show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there was the animated Fantastic Four cartoon. There were two of them, one in the 60s, which used the Human Torch, and then another one that came later, yeah. I think it was in the late 70s, right. where they had Herbie the Robot because they were afraid kids were going to light themselves on fire to be oh. a Human Torch, which I guarantee you Marvel is going to address that in some way. Like, they're trying to figure out how do we do the Fantastic Four and not, like, have kids light themselves Play on mom. fire, and then how do you make it practical like okay if he ignited himself on fire and was in the kitchen that i'm in right now that would probably destroy and melt the kitchen but you know what i mean like yes there's just sort of practical real world things okay if you're gonna have these characters now exist in the real world how do they how does it work now did film threat go on to do an article to cover the fact that fantastic four would not be released did you follow up well, the, we never did because we could we could never get any answers, right? Uh-huh. You know, we did that cover story, and I remember um, 
I, I remember Tony Timpone from Fangoria magazine called me out of the blue and said, ah, you really scooped us on that one. Because I'd been doing stories where because I was in Hollywood, I could just go to the sets of these movies and we covered Carnosaur and you know, we just were getting access to like low budget indie movies, which is kind of film threats, bread and butter. I mean, cover independent film, right? So, I mean, Roger Corman is an independent filmmaker. Yeah. And they but, went to Troma too uh, at first. Troma said no, right? I mean, the documentary talked about it. Right, right. So, so uh, you know, but we didn't know. I mean, we just did the story and I wanted to be very comprehensive. I grew up reading Cinefantastic Magazine and Starlog and, and uh, you know, Fangoria. And, and I read all those magazines as a kid. I was, I was a magazine junkie at, a, at you know, at the time at, in that era. And I think at one point I had 50 magazine subscriptions. This is really? before the internet. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Before That's the internet. Right. And just so people may not know, magazines are like the internet, but on really thin slices of wood. And yes. you can read them. <laughs> That's a good way to well, say you, it. You know, this podcast that's, that's exists. For, yeah. we, we, we're doing this podcast because I used to read Psychotronic yeah. Video all the time. Yeah, and I like love that video. Yeah, I love it. And I, I would say, oh my that God. Magazine. That, I love And then just like, there were so many great ones at the time. And I just wanted to be, Film Threat sort of had its own niche, which was indie film, right? That was our, that was what we focused on. And sometimes that crossed over into genre stuff. So um, certainly a lot of you know, low-budget underground films were horror, sci-fi, etc. So, so yeah, I, I you know like I just think that there was never a final word, right? Like they said, you know, oh, it's on hold or it's this or whatever, and then you know it just sort of got forgotten. It, mm -hmm. it became like a lost film. Now, Mike used to read these magazines, but he couldn't go see the film. He was young. He's not going down to the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan. So that's why right. we have this show today, because they're all on YouTube now. They're all on YouTube. Everything I read in Psychotronic, oh, wow. everything I read in my film books. And I had to take the really? film books. Yeah, well, because, you know, Fantastic Four, I read about it in Film Threat. I, I, you know, and that was it. So I just wow. had a base. So thanks to YouTube, The Great yeah. Equalizer, I can just finally watch it. And then. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Now, what was George Gaines doing on set? I mean, we're talking Punky Brewster. We're talking uh, Police Academy. Did they know they had a star here? Why didn't? Yeah, they he was do the biggest name. Oh, uh, I don't know. That I don't know. Were you there to see George Gaines? No, I'm not sure if I met met him on set, and I probably would not know. I mean, I wasn't like even at the time, like, and I don't. I tend to not watch mainstream television of any kind, like. Uh, you know, people tell me constantly about the Big Bang Theory yeah. and stuff, and like, I hate, I, I think I've watched that show, and I, I'm just not a fan. So when it comes to, like, mainstream anything, I'm pretty blissfully unaware. So <laughs> I wouldn't have even known who he was anyway, because I've never seen an episode of Punky Brewster. Were you there the day that they shot the classroom scene, which, in, in the beginning, when he's sitting next to Ben Grimm... Uh -huh. Um, I don't think I was there. Okay, that. okay, because that was his big moment. That was his big moment. Yeah, yeah. I just think they should have used him. He was a big star. He could have been the Alfred the Butler to them or something. I don't know. They should have it in. Yeah. Okay, so, Chris, now, everyone at home is poised to watch this film at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. They're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead and give us that celebrity countdown? Wait. Wait, really? How, what yeah. am I counting down from? Three. Three. 
Okay, three, two, one, right. go. But it's got to be paced. And so we, that we everyone, should, why don't we go from four, three? As a Fantastic Four? Yeah. Great. There we go. Okay. All right. So we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch the Fantastic Four, the classic Roger Corman movie. And here we go. We're gonna count down from four, three, two, one. Play. All right. Very excited. Thank you for that celebrity comedian countdown. Whoever the celebrity New Horizons. That of course is. Right. Uh, we're about to watch Munchies. Right. We have watched a few New Horizon videos, straight to video. Uh, this wasn't even straight to video. No, it straight wasn't bootleg. released at all. You see how this, they, whoever put this up here for us stuck, snuck in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in 1994, that was no big thing. If you don't know anything about this movie and you see that in the beginning, you're all right, ready to go. Right? All right. Yeah. Surprise. Hey, man, I watched. I watched 26 movies that get one storyline. I missed a Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe movie. You gotta watch it. Well, this is some trippy special effects already. Uh, do you hear the music? Did I? Well, I guess so. I mean, the people who wrote the music spent $6,000 of their own money to hire an orchestra. And we learned that from the documentary about this film. We should mention the documentary is, is almost as fun as the movie. It's called um, Doomed. Doomed. It's, it's a true story of this film where all the actors you see get into the opening credits. Rebecca Stab takes a stab at it. Uh, <laughs> stab. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Bailey Smith took a Smith at it. <laughs> he did. He, uh, oh, oh, he was he triggered. Trigger. Yeah, he was triggered. He had trigger. So, um, yeah, it's. Okay, it's just a documentary about how this film didn't get released. And we'll talk all about it, you know. You've seen it, and so have I. I have. I, I have not seen it recently. I forgot George Gaines was in it. Yeah, now George Gaines is from Police Academy movies. At least that's how yeah. we know him and love him. Oh, and oh, oh. And uh, Pucky Brewster's father. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, and, and, and the guy from Victor Victoria. Okay, uh, yeah, Punky Brewster. Do, do go on, do go on. He was Henry Warnamount in Punky Brewster. He was command, Commandant Eric Lassard in Police Academy. And he retired from acting at the age of 86. It was 2003. Um, and he passed away. He was old when he passed away. Yeah, no, you know, he spoke many languages. Exactly. He spoke Russian. Seven languages. That's right. He he was actually born in in a country that I didn't write it down because I didn't think we would be focusing on this guy. So. He was born in a country in Eastern Europe that was part under the Soviet Union at the time. Why would we focus our ourselves on Punky Brewster's father? He's like the only star in this movie. Yeah, he's the only one. That's right. Uh, there's the director. God bless. Holy. Holy. Oli was a music video director, and this was a big, big deal for him uh, because he was going to – oh, there he is, George Gaines. George Gaines up front. Get the star up front like Bruce Willis. In the last three minutes, he shows up. Yeah. No, except he's going away even from this, right? Oh, he's done after this. Bring me Tackleberry. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, punky. All this scene is showing us is Reed Richards is really smart, and he's friends with Ben Grimm, who wouldn't be in the same class with him. He doesn't have his brains at all. But you're talking about Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four, that big do doofus from Yancey Street or whatever, Clancy Street. or Well, that was the gang. That he, he... Oh, 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 yeah. He had a lot of troubles, that Ben Grimm. Yeah. He's, like, he's literally a monster. Oh, he was very grim, and he was literally a monster. Now, what we're learning now is Colossus is coming. Colossus is coming. Now, nothing goes faster than the speed of light except for Colossus, which is a comet-like energy source. It is radioactive, and every 10 years it passes Earth. Okay? Uh -huh. But um, it's going to be the closest that it's ever been to Earth tonight. So we, Colossus is like a comet or something? Like a... Yeah, so a ball of energy. It's it nothing to do with Galactus. Right. It has nothing to do with Galactus. Colossus. And it is it is not a comet. It's like energy, like a ball of energy. And it's all whammy jammy radioactive and it's happens in the insides and stuff, you know. And they there's Victor Von Doom yeah. on the left, talking uh -huh. with Reed Richards about their plans tonight to Harness the energy from Colossus. Well, okay, I was going to go on a date with Sue Storm, Richard, but I'll, I'll be glad to do your project tonight. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Wait till you meet Sue Storm. She's just a little girl, and you're going to be like, this is creepy. Well, is she a college student? Nope, she's a little girl. She's like nine, or maybe she's like 12. She's going to be like 12 or 14. You'll see. How old is her brother, Johnny Storm? Like seven or eight. From the looks of them. Wait a minute. They have well, kids. I mean, this, is, this is the or okay. See these two goofs? Yeah. They're like goons for Victor already. Like Victor is already like a monarch back home. Right, that's right. So it's kind of weird. We don't know. Oh, there she is. That's Sue Storm. I can't see Sue Storm. Oh, there she is. <laughs> An invisible Ooh. woman. Oh, there's Johnny, hothead. He's a hothead. Oh, he's playing that video game that looks like a cartoon. Right. The really real, right? Yeah. Look at look at it's drawn. It's a drawn cartoon. They're getting epilepsy. I'm getting epilepsy. <laughs> so that's Ben Grimm, and I guess he's friends with Johnny and uh, Sue. Oh, he likes to hang out with the seven eight year old boy. I guess yes. Oh, but it's her boarding house, so I guess he's he's a he lives there. Yeah. And here's Reed Richards, and Sue has a crush on Reed Richards. Oh, right, he's they, dreamy. They weren't married in the '60s, right? They got married later. No, they were married in the '60s. Look at the kiss, right? She goes, "Oh, my, she touches her cheek." He's got a little girl crush on him. Oh. But they're married, right? <laughs> Not even... yet. Oh, so she's going to be like, sure, Victor, I would love to go on a date. And Reed, like, oh. Reed would be like, that is inappropriate. That's uh, a little girl. Victor Von he Doom. Says, like, he's dreamy, and then Johnny goes, you're gross. <laughs> Why did I get the girl? How come everything goes wrong for a guy named Von Doom? <laughs> Do you think the Fantastic Four is in? 
Okay, so um, when I was 10, 11 years old, um, I would collect comic books. And yeah, I love the Fantastic Four. I had them all. Jack Kirby, he was really, his art brought it to life. You were, it felt like you were watching a movie as you read the comic. Right, yeah. Well, everything's so square and weird. and Right. Yeah. It's all, it's stylized. And he, you know, he's got a theme going on. He's sharp edges and creases, you know. He, he does a lot of shading and jagged and, you know, like yeah. he would extend the finger out in the drawings and the knuckles would be all like, like it was a skeleton almost. Well, he was always fun, like in outer space. His cartoons would always have like these weird things in the background and foreground. Given a chance to do a page, a two-page spread or a one-page spread, stuff's kind of all out there. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. But the, the idea of this family, just superheroes. Yeah, well, they're not a family. Well, I guess you've got a husband, you've got spouses, and a right. brother, and then a good friend. They certainly right. become a family. That's right. Ben Grimm is not related. Here's Colossus. It's the Lazarium, right? Right. Can you imagine, like, a ball of energy is passing, and it's like a lightning. Okay, that's the thing. They're going to suck it up, and they're going to get the whammy jammy. Guilty. Oh, so, so they're already planning to harvest it. Yeah, that's right, because it's coming tonight, and it's closest they'll ever be to Earth. Only comes around once every 10 years. Right, well, they could come back in another Oh, yeah, but they don't want to. It's here. They've got the equipment. they got the tools. they got the power. So this, this movie reminds me a lot like My Science Project. It does uh, Dennis Hopper, who had like balls of energy and also electrical devices like this. Don't remember. I do remember that film. Like Parker. Oh, Parker wait a Fisher. second. I was thinking, oh, I was thinking of a different one. You mean the one we saw? Yeah, with Fisher Stevens. Yeah. Now, look, what's happening uh, is it's, their calculations weren't right, and it's too hot. They can't harness the energy. It's more like it's, like, imagine if you wanted to capture electricity, but instead it, like, heats up your whole, you know, you, you don't have the capacitors for it. So they're getting a whammy jammy. Now, Reed is like, let's get out of here. But Doom is like, I will not fail. And so he gets bazapped. See? Right. They're not going into outer space and get hit by gamma rays and come back all weird. That's it's, well, that's coming. Oh, all right. So what's happening here on Earth? Like, Doom gets hurt first. Yeah, they're grad students. They tried to harness Colossus energy. Doom was not being smart about it. Now look, Ben Grimm just pushed him out of right. the yeah, yeah. jammy. Well, which is great because the poor animators had to like draw in the. Lightning, 24 frames a second. Look at his hair. Oh, he must be injured. Yeah. Oh, they, they couldn't afford hairspray by that point. Yeah, not on this budget. It was either $1 million or $1.5 million. Well, I think that um, uh, Constantini film, okay, Brend Eckhart, I'll say his name right in a minute. Constantini okay. film like said, I'll give you $750,000. Foreman said he would put in $750,000. So that's a million and a half. But then other times, 
<clears throat> in the Doom documentary on the internet, it says that the budget was $1 million. So that's it. Either the budget is <coughs> $1 million or one and a half. Now look, this is Doom's henchman dressed up as a doctor saying, Victor's dead. Really? The long-lived doctor. Right. Now, look at the, the shifty eyes when they get on the elevator. The director did that so that we know that something's up. Right. Oh, yeah, this is not your ordinary elevator ride. <laughs> Here it comes now. Look, they look right. at each other. Uh-huh. We fooled uh-huh. them. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's the comedy duo of Hedgeman and Doctor. <laughs> there That's is doctor. some of that on, on in here. There's a character called the Jewel Man, Jeweler. He was supposed to be the Mole Man, but that was a fantastic horror. Sure, he was in the first issue. Maybe you're right. I, th- I think you're right about that. Remember there was like some kind of monster breaking out of the sidewalk? And- right. Yeah. On the cover, yeah. Yeah. I don't know like if it's the first one because the first one was the origin story, but but you might be right. Okay, now they're like, we must save the monarch. Now, why are they concealing his stats? Why aren't they using the real doctors to help him? This it doesn't make sense in the real world why they would why would they want Reed Richards to think he's dead? Why? Ten years later. Ten years the, later. The Baxter building. Oh yeah, right. Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. How did that Baxter building Whatever, 10 years later. 10 years later, they're looking at a rocket to go into outer space. Reed Richards, who's graying? Now he's graying. Sure, he's got to get that, that classic Reed Richards. He's talking to Ben Grimm going, you promised to be the pilot if I ever got this whammy jammy machine in the air. Do you think that that Pixar movie ripped off Fantastic Four? No. Incredible? Nope. Nope. <laughs> They're a family, and there's four of them. That's mom, dad, and two kids. That's not what we got here. Besides, they just ripped off comic books. But do you know the story that DC created their own Fantastic Four called the Terrifics? They figured, like, because Fantastic Four, for some reason, like, they just stopped making them. It It wasn't their property, right? It was a Fox property. It was Sony. And uh, it was Fox, I think. Fox was making these movies. Or whoever was making these movies. It wasn't Marvel Disney. Mm-hmm. And what I always heard was that the Marvel Comics, because my father was that kind of creator, they weren't making any Fantastic Four. The actual comic was, it's back. There's a very elaborate storyline with uh, uh, Jim's kids, uh-huh. uh, Valeria and Franklin's other Oh, really? Wow. Boy, he, he gave birth to something that was a kid who was going to go places. Yeah, right, right, right. But I always felt bad watching these uh, Marvel Disney movies where uh, the smartest scientist is, is no, Tony Stark, and the, the richest scientist is, well, the Wasp guy. But you know what I mean? Like, they never uh, – Reed Richards. Reed Richards has the money. Reed Richards right. should be building more Spider-Man. Richards instead of um, Tony Stark. Tony Stark, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that would have been a much, much better. Uh, that would have made a lot more sense, and they wouldn't have had to. I don't know. They wrecked up Spider-Man's. Okay, wait. I gotta stop. 
Look, okay. this is her now. She's not 14. Okay, I guess she's 24 now. Right, 10 years later. So that would make him, let's see, if he was a grad student, he had to be over 22. He's in his so 30s. He's like, yeah, he's like 36 or something to her 24. So he, okay, this makes no sense again in the real world. Ben Grimm is like, if I'm going to pilot. No, he doesn't even say that. They just show up at their house to get these two kids to be their team they're in the rocket ship. Yeah, go, why not? Well, he says they're not astrophysicists. And then Ben Grimm says they know more about this project than anyone alive. Don't you think it's a big coincidence that the monarch who gets his face disfigured and becomes Dr. Doom happens to be the best friend of the guy who started Fantastic Four? I mean, all oh, this is crap. It's like an origin story to me. How about this? One thing happens somewhere, one thing happens somewhere else, and suddenly they meet. It's what a coincidence. It's like, wow, your best friend is Lex Luthor? <laughs> what a coincidence. He's this trying to stop you. This looks like Men in Black, I think. Oh, it might. The building, the building. Oh, the building. Now, you... about to meet the mole, who is not the mole, he's the jeweler. Okay. What is he? Popping his head. Yes, he is out of the sewer pipes. He looks like, you know. but the thing is, <clears throat> I think the mole in the films was solitary, right? He didn't have minions, did he? I think he had minions, including oh. that big monster from the cover. Yeah. Kinda, um, no, I get the mole man mixed up with the mole from uh, Rising Heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah his nose, that ugly. Yeah. Okay, so. Ben Grimm has just clumsily knocked into some lady who's dropped her. <clears throat> because it's, what's her name, Allison? Because his love of his life? Great guess. It's Alicia. Alicia. Yeah, you know exactly who it is. So now they're going to meet each other, and then Ben Grimm's going to be like, I'm in love. This is acting, because she's blind, because she's got to feel bad. Now, she got this job... She went to the audition, and there were all these, you know, she was a stage actress, and there were all these, like, beautiful models there, and she's like, I'm the way I'm getting this. And when they had her do a very emotional scene, and she did it, and they're like, wow, you can really act. So she figured out all these models, I mean, yeah. they're eye candy, she got the job. You know, you don't want her to be acting. Such a ridiculous thing, isn't it? Like, the point is, like, in the 70s, she was blind. And right. That's why she loved the thing. Like the, and the thing felt that because right. she could deformity. See, right. Right. But the thing felt it. She, she never really had that issue because she obviously knew she was dating the thing. She could right? feel that she was hugging a rock. Right. It's not like, oh, I can't see your face. I can't tell you're a giant rock band. Now, look, see the mole? Taking a liking to our Alicia. Oh, this is complicated. So much so that he wants her to be his queen. Oh, the jeweler queen, of course. Ridiculous. Of course, that makes no sense. If you've talked about this before, how like the world is its own little universe and you were just saying before, oh, it just coincidentally, Dr. Doom gets burned by the, you know, oh, you're right. Lex Luthor's boyhood friend. Oh, what a good. Here's it's our good. goons again 10 years later. They're looking good. They went for some good goon insurance. 
That's right. It could be they're looking good because really it wasn't 10 years later. It was like the next day of filming. This took 25 days to shoot. But they never released this movie. That's right. We, you know, anytime you want the history of this movie, we talked about it the first year of our show where we watched it, and it's in the documentary, which was so fascinating. The story of this movie is the movie is good, but the story is even better. You know, and I have to give credit to the movie that the movie is entertaining. Right? Yeah, without the backstory. Yeah. Now, this crystal here, remember I told you that it was too much energy from Colossus? And it right. started frying the circuits and gave them, you know, so that's why they got the whammy jammy. Well, now they've got anti whammy jammy crystals. All the power will go into the crystal and then be distributed out to the machinery and it will have cooled. Colossus will have cooled. Cooled, and they can harness the energy. Safe. The old anti-whammy uh, right. crystal. Excuse me. Right was, now. Well, they're going to cut it with fentanyl and sell it to places. Right? <laughs> Look at that big, like close-up of a stop stop of a right. traffic light. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon called. He wants his bad signature. <laughs> and the logo. So this. Um, Burned Eichiger. Do I say it right? Burned Eichiger, right? Went to, he worked for Constantini Films and he was a big wig over there. And he went to Stan Lee and was like, you know, in 18, what is it? 80? It's not in front of me right now, but it was in the 80s. And he said, we would like to make Fantastic Four. Now, back then, there was the Hulk on TV. Know what I mean? There was that right. Spider-Man. Like they weren't making blockbuster movies. We watched so we we watched uh, the Spider-Man TV show with repurposing the theatrical release of the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. We watched that version. Uh, Howard the Duck is a famous bad movie that's always considered the first Marvel uh, movie. Uh, terrible, but it, it's on YouTube too. Did uh, you already watch it in your past life? Did you already uh, yeah. see it? Joe? None of the show we haven't done. My YouTube stopped. So. Okay. So I should pause. I think there was like a power out. I'm at uh, 2203. Okay. Hang on. Yeah, there was just uh, an outage. Uh, Really? Not your cat? No, my cat. My cat was oh, okay. So I'm at 2203. What about you? Oh, okay. I'm going to pause. Uh -huh. Oh, no, I'll press go. Three, two, okay, 2303. Three, 2203 for those editing at home, Carl. 2203. Three, Two, one, go. So the collector is coming up to Ben Grimm's girlfriend. He's not his girlfriend yet. Well, the mole man guy, the jeweler. It's so interesting. I like when, when superhero movies come up with their own hero. <laughs> right? They're like, fuck it. Sure, I can do uh, Wonder Woman's friend, uh, villains. Or I'll just come up with my own. What the hell? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. We're already shooting. 
I mean, they didn't have the rights to this. Just Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. They didn't have the mole man. In 1986, they spent $250,000. They gave it to Marvel and got the rights to this. But then it was scheduled to expire at the last second of 1992, December 31. They wouldn't give them an extension because they got some interest now in bigger. So the only way he could keep the rights, Constantini film, was to start going into production of the movie. Okay, then that they they had you know they it didn't expire because they were in production. So so then he called on Troma Films. And had a lot of discussions with them, but Troma didn't want to touch it because Fantastic Four is beloved. It's a movie, movie of it. It wasn't going to be celebrated, you know. Comic people were going to hate it, he thought. Now, hang on a second. When you say he thought, you're talking about Lloyd Kaufman, head of Troma Films, on right. the documentary, saying, taking a deep breath of fresh air before speaking, mm-hmm. sucking all the oxygen out of it, right? Yeah. All right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, too bad Troma didn't. Fantastic Four. I would definitely watch that. As, I probably won't. If it's trauma, I probably won't be able to make it through it. <laughs> <laughs> we only saw one trauma film. We watched Trauma's War, right, which right. is an all-on assault. Which, by the way, boy, <laughs> my sides are still hurting from laughing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mole Man has snuck into their ship, and he took the real crystal. And he gave him the fake one because he because wants the real one. Look at him jumping through the laser. Who's he looking wants- out? Doctor Doom is watching. Yeah, because Doctor Doom was going to take the crystal, right? And then this guy just did it. So he's Doom is like, ha ha! Thank you for doing the job for me. We'll it's just pretty- now get it from you. It's very hard for me to flip through this and see Doctor Doom album. Has four O's in it, by the way. Between the classic song, Dr. Doom is <laughs> Dr. Doom is in the room. Is that what was that gloom? Oh, okay, here we are. Wow, they must have spent their entire budget on this one. Right, on buying the stock footage from NASA. Right. Good news, I got stock the footage from NASA. Bad news is the Space Shuttle Challenger. Good night, people. Now, Corman was the next one he called, or maybe they talked at the same time. I don't know. <clears throat> Corman was like, hell yeah, we'll do it. A million dollars? No problem. No problem. I really think that Corman and... Uh, Our Filippolo. ...burned... Really, we're going to release this thing. They just had to make it, you know. I kind of don't know what's in... Burned, burned his mind, you know. But Corman was going to release it. It was going to be a film that he thought was going to go to theater. But in actuality, they just needed something in production so legally they can keep the rights to Fantastic Four. Yeah, you see this burned Echiger? He's the same guy who made the real ones, Mike. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he must have, so he succeeded. He was able to hold on to the... To the uh, yeah, and he did Fantastic Four, and he did the Rise of the Silver Surfer. Right, which, to be credited to you, are both terrible movies. This yeah, is so much absolutely. better. Well, I don't know that this is better. 
This is okay. old-fashioned corny. Go, let's go to space yeah. with the special look, effects. Well, that was the comic book. Now, look, the crystal is bullshit. So they're going to, again, get the whammy jammy, just like Victor. How did the jeweler find a gem that looked exactly like the gem? <laughs> and if he found it, why couldn't he find the, another real gem, the other half of it? This is what I would say it doesn't make sense in the real world. But since you said it, I have the urge to go, hey, it's a movie. You got to forgive it a couple. No, you're right. It's bullshit. Look, there's the whammy jammy in action. See those colors? It's like right. 1964, 65. Oh, this is before 2001 came out in 68? Yeah, right. Look at this. That's another like 60 psychedelia. Like the whammy jammy's really fucking with them. Was it the same gamma rays that the Hulk got on Earth? Well, yeah, in space, it was gamma rays in the comic book. Right. And gamma rays, pretty much everything. You know, the spider, the spider on Spider-Man was just radioactive. Okay, It, it was a gamma rays? No, it wasn't a gamma <laughs> But it got Bruce Banner belted by gamma rays. Turned right. to the Hulk. What about the Fantastic Four theme yep. song? Look at that. They're dead. Fantastic hey. Four died. Doom's going, ah, 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 ah. How can he watch that? Where's he watching that? Coming from his own room. Ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And he would have a camera inside of Reed Richards' spaceship and see the mole guy. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. He had a satellite follow the spaceship, so the satellite fed the video. Yeah. The Doom's closed-circuit television set right in front of him. Which was yep. not at the same angle as the throne. It was very obnoxious watching the TV. He sat in front of the TV. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. There was no TV in front of him when you see him on the throne. No, it's, it's on the side. So you have to actually sit like this on the throne. Or, oh. or, or get out of the throne. Like, what's the point of having a throne if it's not facing the TV? <laughs> I'm the king of the castle, Alice. I'm the king. Turn my throne towards the TV, young lady. Now... You can only fit the flat of TV set on this side of the of our apartment, Ralph. The other side is the fire escape. Oh, Norton, why'd you give me this widescreen TV? I wanted one right on the right on the dresser here in the kitchen. You know, yeah, the dresser wrong. right here in the kitchen. You walk in the house and there's a dresser. It's outrageous. You know that I know that you know that a TV set could fit right on the dresser. I liked my vacuum tube. Black and white TV. Oh, okay, so they've crashed, right? But look at the ship. It's all fucked up, but they're perfectly fine. Actually, his hair is even better. I think they got a haircut for the, the accident. It looks like he's, his hair makes him look like he already burst in the flames. <laughs> all right, he's Johnny Storm. Now, come on, like. These superheroes are ridiculous. What are you going to do? Walk around the streets of New York on fire? Flame on! Like, all of Manhattan is covered with spider webs and then flames. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's cross down. No problem. Now, in one of the Avengers movies, it, like, talks about that, like, how innocent people get killed and, you know, because sure. the Avengers roll into town and fucking fight some robot and everybody, you know. Oh, Ultron fucked up some fictitious country, right? Yep, yep. yep. We're on this road into space. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Uh, Ultron, Ultron. Uh -uh. There was a whole civil war based on that. 
Nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, so now it's like Sue is invisible. They're Whoa. like, what the fuck? Fuck. Oh, there's his sister. Aha. Uh-huh. Better sibling. <laughs> so this woman was the con costume designer, or is it a band? And the name is Raviv Richard. Isn't that funny? Like it's, yeah. it's not Reed Richard. Okay, so in '93 he went to a place called Golden Apple Comics, a store on Melrose right. Avenue, right down the street. And he went to buy Fantastic Four comic books for research. And I don't know, he's buying them and talking or whatever. And so he's he explained that he was the costume designer for this new and he's gotta do the research. So like they all swarmed him and were like, Are you gonna do justice to this? He goes, Well, that's why I'm buying the comic. Yeah, I'm reading up on it. I need a Reeve Richards. I'm do you have any Marvel? Comics, my good Mar- sir. Marvel. Mar- I'm looking for comics of the detective sort. Would you please? I'm making a movie based on the Fantastic Four. What's your budget? Oh, money is an object. <laughs> yeah, money's no yeah. object. No, money is an object. Okay, so they're kind of stranded here, and they're going to go through a lot of stuff. But I just want to explain something before it happens. An army's going to show up, but you got to know that they're a fake army. They're really Dr. Doom's, I don't know. Did they land they, in Doomlandia? They didn't land in Doomlandia. They land, I don't know where they landed, but they got found by Doom first, so he pretended the military found Well, because, I mean, if, if Jeff Bezos sends a rocket out into space, you know the police would be there looking for something. <laughs> they got it in for him. Fantastic Four is such a terrible live-action idea. You got a man on fire, then you got a guy who looks like I took my crayons and I was six and I drew a big rock monster. <laughs> right? Like, this movie has no budget, so I'm going to give it a hard pass on whatever the thing's going to look like. Right? <laughs> but I've seen the Fantastic Four movie in the sequel. Michael yeah. Chiklis looks ridiculously mm-hmm. stupid in that green outfit. And then, have you seen the last Fantastic Four? Yeah, movie? I, the Silver Server. No, no, no. After that, there was a, a reboot remake. I'll have to watch it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or no, I shouldn't have to watch it. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah, you definitely want to get the DVD Blu-ray for that one. <laughs> well, if I can't stream it anywhere. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, check the dumpster. Have you checked, like, uh, not Redbox, but Dumpster Fire? I might have it. It's terrible. It's really lethargic. It's Boring. Oh, the only interesting thing in that movie is well, Michael B. Jordan's in it, and uh, Johnny Storm. Oh, but, uh, Michael B. Jordan. I, I mean, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. Oh, you saw it. It didn't suck. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. It didn't suck. Um, the way down in Louisiana, close to what's his name? What's his name? Michael B. Moore. What's his name? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Way down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, up into the woods in the Everglades, lived a country boy who never could read so good. You know the song? Michael Jordan be good. (laughs) Johnny be good, yes. Jordan Uh be good. Let me try that at the opening. 
at a writing. Okay. Hey, well, that's, I wish you best of luck. <laughs> Jordan, be good. All right. Michael, be good. Okay. So there was this guy at Marvel. His name was Avi something, who I just know that's an Israeli name. And he was going to, you know, make the big uh, budget Fantastic Four with Eichinger. And so he was the one who called up Roger Corman and said, look, I will pay you a million dollars. You just stop. Don't release the film. Cut everything off. And so Corman said, okay. And he explained why. I was gonna, I'm was i going to make a big budget. I can't have this dirtying the wall, polluting the waters. It would, I, would you feel that way if this came out? Uh, no, I think it would have been fun to come out. I think this was the time. Look how she's getting so passionate, rubbing the clay on her lip. Right. Now she's going to get abducted and stolen by the minions of the Molba. In the Molman has minions? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, headsman and minions. The jeweler. I don't know. This jeweler, it's unimpressive as credits. He's a English actor. Um, stage and television. Successful career in the States. Uh, West End on Broadway across America. He appeared in the U.S. as Young Victor Company. I, I guess he, he was a... He was in some movies. He was... On, in a TV movie, Alice Through the Looking Glass, he was in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know. He's got some chops. But this is a delivery person, and we're having flirting. Yeah, yeah. It's really but it's kinda... one-sided. Well, so the, the movie, we're, the other movie, the last one, was Josh Trank directed it. But what I always amazed me about it, if you remember, is that uh, Sue Storm and then I guess the dad, like uh, Dr. Frank Franklin Storm, uh, they were both in House of Cards. I was like, wow, just sat through House of Cards and two of the actors are in it. I got that feeling like you have a premium cable and then you watch like a show that's only for people. And they show up in a movie and you go, oh, that's those guys from that premium show I paid to watch. <laughs> what am I? Oh, what a rip off this movie is. Now that's, it's the Sue Storm one you saw, right? Yeah. yeah. She is a, she was like a Ford agency model or something, but she got onto Guiding Light and her career took off. I mean, she was on Beverly Hills uh, 90120 and Seinfeld and the Sue Storm in which movie? Desperate Housewives in this movie that we're watching oh. Perfect. Well, that's oh, one thing I really liked about the documentary is that they gave the actors ample time to talk about this because they yeah. were being led on and they were encouraging them to go to these conventions and beat on their fans. No, and, I don't. Th I don't think so. I, I think that Roger Corman thought it was going to release. Right. But okay, I, sure. So Roger Corman. Year. Okay. After they made the film, the post production kind of remember yeah. it halted. And I think maybe, why would Corman do that? But there was a point where they were, I mean, maybe they were really, they really did feel this movie was coming out, and they yeah. went to these conventions. And, uh, you know, most notorious, which I really liked from the documentary, and I mentioned this the first time, was that it was on the cover of a magazine I would go to, like, Tower Records and buy back in the day, yeah. uh, Film Threat. I 
and it was on the cover of Film Crime magazine. Classic for Roger Corman Productions. It was the only magazine that was covering it. And it that gave guy it credibility. Was the whole, that guy was there the whole shooting, remember? He said he was there because he was really a fan. Right. The, the the publisher of Film Crime was given access. So he was like the voice telling, of course, we can't see it, but it, yeah. it was like you would read about it in Film Crime. So do you get your news from Film Crime? It legitimized this. Somebody along the line knew that it should not be released, uh, ultimately. Well, that that thing came out right at the – remember, he was there for the whole filming. I think I think that everyone thought it was going to be theatrical release, even Roger Corman at that point. Right. And don't forget, Carnosaur around that time came out as theatrical release. So his films were theatrically released. Yeah, you know what's funny is, is – what we're seeing right now, a lot of it is um, recycled Carnosaur sets. Really? Yeah. That was in the documentary. Well, we also watched Carnosaur. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. What a disgusting... So it wasn't it just was the Carnosaur... film. Yeah. It wasn't just Carnosaurs on the loose. Diane Lamb figured a way to make women get impregnated by Carnosaur. Yeah, just by getting the virus. The, the DNA was in you. I mean, after I saw that film, my carna was sore. Oh, man. Talk about a carnosaur. Oof. Okay. Now, they're like, they all know they have powers now, except Ben Grimm is not a freak yet. Okay. So oh, they all they... know they have powers. Now, look, it looks like the army's showing up. Now, if this is really doom tricking them, that guy's American accent is excellent. He goes, Begging your pardon, sir. I mean, it's excellent. You know, they taught him in Latvia how to do an American accent. Right, Latvia. Oh, they got the flags and everything. Right, we're America. Hi. Home. Oh, Homer. You look like Homer. Right. Hey, dude. Yeah, what are you, Bart? Now they say, oh, no. Fire at that ugly monster thing. There he is. I'm Ben Grimm. I'm oblivious that I'm a rock. Hey, guys. Boy, great to shake off those gamma rays. Whew, I tell you, I was drenched them. I've got your new nickname. It's Rocky. Don't you dare call me Rocky. He's got that's, the teeth. That's what the Clancy Street gang should have done. He hated the Clancy Yeah. They would throw bottles at him, rocks. Okay, so there's an anatomic face, you know, helmet he's wearing. And and he like he's moving the mouth, but you see how the lip moves and stuff? Right, yeah. You saw it in the documentary, right? Right. It, it, it's all mechanical, and apparently they did a good job. It you think it hurt the guy? It didn't hurt the guy, did it? No, I think the guy bitches about the not bitches. I mean, it's legitimate. It's a. It's hot. Here it is. Uh, Claro found the suit to be the hottest fucking thing he ever wore. He was. This guy's a big stuntman. It's not the same actor. The actor who plays Ben Grimm is oh, not right. who we're seeing on screen right now. Well, that's a relief, right? <laughs> you don't have to wear the suit. I'll, <laughs> I'll do anything my act. Okay, well, you got to wear a suit. As uh, a matter of fact, they work together a lot. Like, to, what? how would you do it? Like, what are your mannerisms? Sure. Is 
that's yeah. They did. <laughs> you see that a lot sometimes, like Doom Patrol. They have a guy voiced by uh, Brendan Fraser. So it's like, wow, Brendan Fraser. But most times, someone else is acting. So here is a bunch of funny. Wait, are you talking about Brendan Fraser? He's on Doom Patrol. He plays the voice of a robot. So it's a live action guy in a robot suit, but it's the voice is him. So he must do it at a certain point. Well, I'm glad he's getting work. That's really cool. I yeah. used to love him. Oh, he's terrific. He's the best part of that show. Now we're getting a bunch of jokes. You know, have a seat. Steve collapses. You know, I'm going to take a blood sample. Not sure how I'm going to no. do it. Hey, thanks for coming to my. I'm Alec Baldwin. Thanks for coming to my podcast. Here's the thing. It's basically we're going to talk about you, the thing. So here's the thing. With Alec Baldwin. Here's the thing. Right yeah. now. There he is. There he is. Right there. Okay, now here's the thing. Now here's the thing. Come. Uh, clobbering time. <laughs> that would be cool. I hate that phrase, unless the thing actually smashes through the wall after you say it. Yeah. Yeah. Now Johnny figures out he says flame on and flame off. Because we figured out the magic words, Doc. Really? Like a Shazam moment? <laughs> yeah. And thank God only burned his hand. Otherwise, his jacket would caught on fire. Now, when I was first watching this thing, I was like, this is cheap. We never see him fly like in the comic. And then at the end, they satisfy. He oh, really yeah. Flies. This looks like a commercial for like a Activision. You ready to beat the doctor? <laughs> Activision presents Doctor Needles on Atari Twenty Six Hundred. What? Whoa! Look, he, that was actually pretty good, pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing with this movie. No one's terrible in this film. They all do their job. Yeah, and in this documentary, you know, they really get the sense. I mean, they have their like personalities you got to deal with but you get the sense from the documentary uh they all were very genuine it was going to be a step up you see that's latvia and it's the castle and that's really where they're being held they think they're on an army base right yeah they think they're at like cape canaveral or fort dodge victor von doom dr doom is it? so what he's saying right now is you know, they come to the conclusion they're going to suck out the the Colossus power out of the four of them and put it all into Doom. And he'll be like the uber-ultra being. Right. Oh, I see. That's stupid. <laughs> That's not Doom. <laughs> he wants to rub it into Reed's face. <laughs> well, he wanted Reed, you know, to get killed and he was going to take the uh, jewel from the jeweler so that he could have his own whammy jammy steal the Colossus energy, okay? I guess he has to wait 10 years. It's not really explained. Right, that's the thing, right? Like, what's the rush now? Yeah. He should have planned to take it and used it during the 10 years. Well, what's happening right now is he kind of doesn't need Colossus because he can steal it from the Fantastic Four. Because what he's got is his own whammy-jammy sucker machine. It no, tickles it, their chest and sucks out their power. Is that the same actor under that mask? Yeah. It's the guy we saw as young Victor. Oh, the henchman looking good. 
Looking good. Looking good. Nice guys, turn. Guys look like Wal uh, Walton Goggles. And I don't know. It's the not a screenwriter friend. What is it? There's that stupid English cartoon like Grommel and. Oh, right. Yeah. Wallace and Gromit. Gromit. I shouldn't say stupid. It's not stupid. I enjoyed it very much, but I'm just looking back on it, thinking of it now, and stupid came to mind. Well, that's because you're an adult. Like, you don't have a kid <laughs> in the room. But, yeah, no, it's good stuff. Plus, it was cheese, but there was the wrong trousers, and there was, like, a were-rabbit bunny, and there was a... Uh, that was a good know. one, were-rabbit. Yeah. Were okay, so right now, they're going to see the jeweler to say, we'll give you money for that jewel. And, like, the henchmen are, like, you know, they're surrounding them and stuff. I don't know. Anytime these guys are around, it's the comedic moments. You see, I don't like that about the film. Sometimes Dr. Doom is comedic. Like, he's a goofy uh, monarch. And other times, when he's around the Fantastic Four, he's fucking serious, and he's an evil man. You know, you know when he, he, he talks to his minions, and it sounds dopey. Well, you know, I guess, like, Fantastic Four never existed in a vacuum. I guess it did ultimately, but the because in sixties it came out during like Spider Man, Doctor Strange, they was the Avengers, he was the Iron Man, and they yeah. they had like other people to bounce off of. Uh, but I guess in this movie and in the Sony movies, they just they weren't part of that universe. Yeah, that's right. It, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is made by some other film conglomerate corporation, right? And but, uh, the Fantastic Four. Well, they've been always like teasing that they're going to reintroduce the Fantastic Four in the movies and have the guy from The Office play Reboot. Well, uh, I think it's actually a very good time for them to add. They need some life in Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are they, they going to do? They're going to be like, hey, uh, unbeknownst to you, I too am a super scientist, billionaire genius with my own building in New York City. <laughs> but well, I waited for Tony Stark to die. Okay, wouldn't it be neat if their first film. Uh, I guess you got to have the origin backstory, but I'm saying by the end yeah. of the film, they're on like the observation side of this Thanos bullshit, right? And they, so the first movie would be about them dealing as superheroes with half the population missing or whatever. Right, maybe, maybe one maybe of them is missing. Two, yeah, or something like that. And And do you remember that scene at the end when they're all – you know, like all the superheroes in the world come out to fight Thanos. Right. You, they could be just some boots on the ground, and we see the ending scene from their perspective. You know, with them, what's over the hill? Come on, Reed. You know, and and then Sue will come back. Sue, you know. They'll be like, "Hey, they said this open mic was an open mic, but I, I the raffle is bullshit. They picked my name. I was like thirty-two. I think they did that on purpose. Yeah, they don't know me. It was the superhero open mic, right? Yeah, superhero open mic. Hey, we're gonna do a bucket. We're gonna do a bucket. Uh, number thirty-nine, new storm. <laughs> well, the first one, bullshit. Uh, first one picked was uh, Thanos because when they yeah. all came, they were looking at him, so it was all comedians in the audience." That number two is Anthony Quinn. Number three was the Wasp. It's a bit rigged. It was rigged. Okay, so now they've abducted Alicia, and they're like, we want the diamond. And he goes, no, it's for my girlfriend. And there's this funny scene where they pull out guns to threaten them, and then the whole room pulls out guns on them. Oh, all right. It appears you're outnumbered. 
So they kick them out. One of the best things about Fantastic Four was when they weren't the four Fantastic Four. There was a robot in uh, one of the animated series. They they couldn't license oh, one of the characters. Torch. Yeah, the Human Torch was replaced by Robbie the Robot kind of little guy. Yeah, it was like Herbie or like he was Fantastic Five. And also in the comics, uh, She-Hulk was in there. I don't remember that. Well, you should I... check out the Terrifics, right? The DC comic. It has Plastic Man. It has Professor <laughs> Mr. Terrific. It has like uh, this girl who's a ghost who kind of is invisible. And then it has like this big hulking guy. Does it have Water Man instead of... Yeah, they have Water Man. They said, fuck torch. you. Marvel, if you're not going to do Fantastic Four, we'll do one. So they're like, okay, he said no, Dr. Doom. So Doom was like, I will take care of this personally. He's going to get the, the, um, maybe the crystal is needed to suck the whammy jammy out of them. I think so, yeah. Uh, It's not about waiting 10 years. Well, yeah, but they're going to keep him in the castle for 10 years. No, right, right now they're, Whoa, Batman. I think that wipe, yeah, that was for fighting. Instead of spending the money on a fight scene, they did that. So they knocked out the guards. They're starting to, well, they don't know it's doom or anything, but like something's not right. Right. Yeah, man, the Fantastic Four movie, Michael Chiklis wearing a trench coat, and he's like in the rain in the alley, and he's like seeing his girlfriend with someone else. He's like all sad or whatever yeah. it was. It was just like That's straight out of Kirby, by the way. Oh yeah, and he's kind of pouring rain on you. Yeah, it's pouring rain in the alleyway as the thing is, you know, going through some personal trauma, and then clank, clank, bam on the side of his head. The yo, he claps, he screams, what? <laughs> See you later, Rocky. Don't call me that. But they all talked in that like Kirby Brooklynese way. They're like, yo, we're the newspaper boys, the newsies, we're the newsy corps. Yeah. Hey, they call me Mumbles. I don't know why they call me Mumbles. And uh, uh, my name is Flipper. I I like to, I have a scuba gear. Everything I say is Flipper. Maybe we can go in the water. Not yet, Scuba Man. The guy, he's got his hat sideways. Yeah, right. And he talks like this. Hey. They call me the mouth. We saw we were so hot on you. News Legion boys and stuff. And then they go fight in World War II. Because Kirby, like, he had a guy, like, him and his partner, they, they were cranking out World War II comics, including Captain, the original Captain America and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Mariner was in it. Yeah, and it was, like, the News Boys or News Legion stuff. And then when he went back to D.C. in the 70s, he said, you know what, I'm going to take my old character that I did, bring him back. You know, uh, preteens from the 40s really got a bad rap with this fucking play called Newsies. Because now they all, you think they all sell the paper. I mean, it, do you remember um, the Baxter Boys with Thatch Mo? Yeah, right, right, right. Those are the real, like, like that's what we should be calling, not Newsies, we should be calling them, uh, what's the name of that gang? They were all in the no, you lost me. The Bowery Boy, the back. Oh, the ba- Oh, the, the dead Bowery. Street. Yeah, the Bowery Boys. Anyway, I'm just bemoaning the fact that Newsies fucked that up for the people of that era. Oh, I thank think- God! They, you mean now we can't watch the the Dead End Street 
kids or whatever they were. No, but uh, now, like, anytime you see some kid from the 40s, like a nine yeah. year old or something, you see the Christian Bale singing a number. Yeah. Listen, I, miss, I miss Newsies. How, how do I know when the early evening edition is out, right? I don't. It used to be some kid would just tell me, extra, the extra. How's the world? Someone got shot. We got a picture. Early edition. Early evening edition. Yeah. Oh, the early evening edition's out. Uh-huh. Late in the evening edition. Final evening edition. The evening paper wasn't the paper of the day. It was like one extra section printed that had some breaking news shit. You know? Yeah, usually it's like breaking news and then it's just repurposed. Yeah, and second edition wasn't out every day. It was a fucking newsworthy day, like the presidential election or something. I don't know, like the newspapers were so dense with information. It wasn't like mm-hmm. that was where people, the information all came through there. Yep. Okay, Dr. so Doom. now what we're getting is like, we're learning his plot. You guys aren't going anywhere. I'm going to suck the juice out of you. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. Now, for some stupid reason, and, and the writers weren't rookies, he's going to... Pull the super the super villain thing of leaving the room and having his tongue sticking out. Oh right! Of course, the Fantastic Four kicked their ass. He is Dude. royalty. He's not good. No, but he's got whammy jammy powers and stuff. You know. But they don't realize that like Bob Odenkirk's a nobody. <laughs> he looks like nobody. He's nobody. He's Mister Nobody. Who are you? I'm nobody. Punch me a couple of times so I could kick you back. I don't know about that one. Now, the actors themselves were the ones who, like, were doing the promotion and paying for the promotion. Right. When this thing got was in post-production, like, they stopped spending money on it. They weren't rushing to edit it, you know, and they weren't promoting it. They had to, like, guerrilla warfare edit it on their own. And... um they like you had said before. They went to. They did a movie. Uh, they went to comic conventions and they did this like premiere in which they showed the trailer. Yeah. And they were gonna open it at Mall of America in Minnesota. Okay, so apparently this Avi guy was at a Fantastic Four convention. He wanted to make it look like a Fantastic Four film. This kid on the on in the in the you know hotel or whatever said. Hey, are you going to the Fantastic Four premiere? Avi was like, what? Fantastic Four premiere. So that's when he called Roger Corman and said, look, I'll give you a bunch of money. Come to the season of this. Called. Corman called it off and it was Wow. But then it didn't stop because this is, you know, this is after Newsies, but before the internet. So what we had was bootleg <laughs> copies. And that's how people knew about it. In yeah. 1994, if you wanted to see this movie, you'd go to a hipster video store, like right. a Tongue in San Francisco or Another Eye and Third Eye, and then they would have it for rent. Right? This is it. This is the bootleg 1994 Roger Corman Fantastic Four. Uh, bootleg, it, exactly. 